Hi, hello. It is Josh Bo, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with an NBA scrimmage restart edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark, a triumphant Mavericks win, one that will go down uh, as an all-time great comeback, uh, 118-115 overtime scrimmage win against the Philadelphia 76ers. Kirk, do you feel the excitement? I mean, I got to be honest. <laughs> I tuned out midway in the third <laughs> and then I, I started, you know, just screwing around and then I look up and it's a game and then I look up and it's a real game. And then all of a sudden it's an overtime and it, you know, it was, it, it was a remarkable amount of fun for being trash basketball. Yeah, it was, it was a little tough to watch. Even when the starters were in, it was a little tough to watch this game. I will not, I'm not above admitting that sometime in the second or third quarter, I had to kind of shake my head a little bit to stop myself from dozing, dozing off. Uh, Cause things got a little sluggish in this one. This one was a little bit of a rock fight for like the first three fourths of the game. I actually think it opened up a little bit toward the end of the fourth quarter and overtime in terms of just, some shot making um in terms of takeaways uh we could talk about the fourth quarter overtime but that you know that's mostly like end of the rotation garbage time stuff it's very nice that the uh end of the bench guys give so much effort which i think we talked about kirk uh after uh the lakers game because that's what let them win the lakers scrimmage because the end of the bench guys just didn't really <laughs> they didn't give up you know they're they're overmatched especially you know reeves and uh cleveland but they still play they played really hard and they played really hard again today um i'm trying to decide how spicy to get because kirk tell me if i'm off base here but the mavericks have played three scrimmage games and in three no in three scrimmage games the main rotation guys, like the top seven to eight guys, have mostly underwhelmed in a weird way. Is that oh, a bad take? No, that's a good take. Uh, okay. I, I mean, we're all cheering and chanting for Porzingis for how he played, and the dude shot four of 11. Um, he grabbed some rebounds for the first time in his life. Congratulations, Chris Epps. Rebounding for a seven foot three guy, not hard. Just going to put that out there. Uh, I mean, the, the starters have not looked great all at the same time, but there's there's this guy that plays for them. His name's Luka Doncic, and he <laughs> continues to roast teams. And yes, it's does. really disgusting, some of the things that he does to players. There was a – it had to have been – it had to have been third quarter where he posted up and – the ball got slapped away because it was a bad entry. So he ended up batting it back out and he reposted and sealed his man and caught a lob for a layup. And it was a kind of a, a mundane play in the sense that it wasn't exciting, but it's a stark reminder to me that against the Sixers, a team with guys that are just limbs, like they just have so many long guys Matisse Thibel is is a borderline all NBA defensive caliber player and Luca beat him like a drum. When they cook, they destroy teams. And it's going to be a matter of these guys getting on a run at a right moment and then holding that gas down because they got ahead by like 15 or 14 in the first quarter 
And then they did the thing that they always do, regardless of whether it's a scrimmage or not, when they play the second tier guys and then they have a hard time getting back into a rhythm and then the other team just chips away. And so, like, I think that's a pretty good take about the the starters really not looking good. But that doesn't concern me quite yet. If they look like butt against the Rockets on Friday, and then if they get blown out in that game, which is entirely possible, then I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna be concerned. I'm really, you know, you said something early on in our Slack about how Rick just doesn't show anything. In- <laughs> no. And, and like they just run the most mundane sets, the most mundane lineups. Our our contributor Lauren was just like, "Why don't they do anything?" And I think the answer is that Rick is such a paranoid lunatic about this sort of stuff. He doesn't want to give tape. And there's, let's be clear, we've talked about this. There are there's there's a hundred and like twenty five minutes of tape on these Mavericks. Like there's nothing. So they could come out and do something bananas next weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I noticed that uh, that maybe that they weren't uh, giving this a full effort game plan when Dorian Finney-Smith ran two pick and rolls in the first four minutes of the game. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think he's done run two pick. Like, when has he run two pick and rolls in a first quarter, like, ever? Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. And, I'm, and it's just like, you're right. They just... He doesn't want to give up anything. It was just as vanilla as can be. Kristaps got a, like three or four post ups, I think, in the first quarter, and he sucks Oscar. at them. Like we yeah. guys, he sucks at them. He is yeah. a terrible post player. He made one garbage fire shot on a fadeaway where he got hacked on Al Horford. Al Horford is an amazing post defender, and then they just kept going back to him because he got this one. The one really cool move was the one I think you were going to talk about, like that kind of. I don't want to call it up and under, but he basically got all the way to the rim and laid it in yeah. with his, I think it was his left hand, right? Yeah, well, his left hand. Yep. He had a really, it was a really sucked. good seal. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that's when I knew, cause Rick doesn't call, you know, like that's not going to be what the team looks like against Houston. Even if they, even if they play like, but like that's, they're not going to, they're just, they're not going to do that. Like they're no. not going to run Dorian Finney Smith pick and rolls. They're not going to post up Chris stops a bunch in the, in the first quarter. Um, but yeah, it's because of that, it makes it hard for me to, to separate. Well, they kind of look a little assy in the scrimmage games, <laughs> but then it's like, you got to balance that with, well, they weren't, you know, they were, this was all about conditioning and getting shots up and getting through games healthy. Uh, so that's, that was the goal. And it's hard as like outside observers, cause we want to see the goods and that's not the that's not the objective of these teams, these coaching staffs. Like they've got different priorities, and rightly so. So sometimes it makes me hard to to coincide those two realities in my brain. But that's why I didn't want to know if that was too hot of a take to say because I I just have you know they the first half against the Lakers they didn't look great. Uh, they had a really good stretch against the Pacers like the first and second the first quarter and then they kind of just kind of gave it away after that. And then this kind of same thing happened in the Philly game. So it just made me feel weird. I, I well, hope I'm not overreacting. So here's a pitch. So here, here's some, some data. Take this for data. When you back out Cleveland Berea and Reeves three point attempts, people in what I would consider the actual Mavericks lineup. So, you know, and I don't know when Berea is going to play, but, you know, we're talking about Tim Hardaway all the way through maybe even like Boban 
and Justin Jackson, who we should circle back to. The 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 core of the lineup shot seven of thirty from three, which is twenty three percent. The Mavericks as a whole only shot twenty nine percent from three, and they won. This team does not win when they shoot under like thirty five percent from three. Like we should probably pull up the numbers in Basketball Reference and be a diligent podcast. But they, you know, it, it's it's anecdotal, but it's also. You know, we've seen enough out of 60 games. When they shoot the three ball poorly, they lose. And that they won here was kind of interesting. I mean, it's kind of luck. You know, that, that fourth quarter in overtime was just so bad. But, I, you know, the looks that the guys were getting were really good. Porzingis had a couple of straight-on threes that he just missed, and he still went two of four. You know, yep. Seth Curry, who's been an absolute flamethrower, was one of six from distance. What, you know, what are you going to do there? Right. Dorian Finney-Smith, hey, I don't want to key. You know, I don't want to worry. I'm trying not to worry. But he's looked like the guy I thought he was from distance for the three games here. Um, that's yeah, a little and that's, that's the story, right? That's that's the bubble, right? Is Hardaway, Dorian Finney-Smith, Kleba, are those three guys going to keep shooting the way they shot in the regular season? Like that, right. that to me, that's everything. That's yeah. everything about how well they play in, in yeah. the bubble. Man, I just, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because somebody said to me today, they're like, well, we'll just plug, we'll just plug Trey Burke into, you know, Bray's minutes in the top six or eight, you know, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. It's like, I appreciate that optimism, but it's just not how this goes. It's just not. Yeah. They and, really, they really need Powell and Brunson. Like it, yeah. it, 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 it hurts. This team is more when, you know, they're very Voltron. When they <laughs> connect together, they're a lot better than what they ought to be. And even, you know, the top five, when I'm looking at what their presumptive starters are going to be, and even really the top seven, you include, you know, uh, I'm not really loving um, DeLon Wright lately, but, you know, you put him and Kleba in, like, the key rotation guys, and I still think these guys can make a little bit of noise. Oh, yeah. The data seems to point to that. But I just I'm a little shaky right now. Yeah. Um, oh man, I lost what I was gonna say. Oh crap, I had it and I forgot. Oh, I was gonna say it was. I don't know, so that's okay. I I was gonna say, uh, man, it's crazy how good Luca is inside the arc and how kind of bad he is outside of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's been like the thing that's kind of shocked me this season. Cause I don't know. I just kind of thought he would get his three point shot. I never thought he would be like an elite three point shooter, but I thought he would get it into that like 34, 35% range where that easily justifies the volume and everything. But he just can't get that, that shot consistently going, but he is so unbelievable in the paint and, and near the rim and, and at the basket that, it's such a next level. Like it's something that I was like, okay, that'll be what 24, 25 year old Luca looks like. Not, you know, 21 year two Luca. Like I, even in a scrimmage game, his ability to get to the basket and his ability to finish, even when he doesn't have a clear path to the basket is honestly like something that just amazes me every time I see it. And is one of the biggest reasons I think he's going to be, you know, a top, three player in the league for the next 10 years. Cause that's something like, that's a LeBron like quality, you know, that's just something that is that he can bank on, you know, and not that not a lot of guys can. And it's just, it's, it's pretty incredible. 
he had one take in the second half again. I'm I'm really thinking of second half shots where <laughs> he's driving from the left wing. It was off kind of a pick and roll. He gets kind of, he he kind of has Al Hortford, who is an unbelievable defender. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. He might be older, but he's still savvy. He knows what he's doing. He's Lucas driving towards the middle with you know the ball dribbling his right hand, but he's got you know he because he's coming from the left, his angles are to either you know shoot a floater and use the glass or use his body and then put it up with his left hand. That's what I was thinking as I'm watching this. And instead, he goes into Hortford with his right shoulder, then uses his right hand as he pulls Hortford like away from the basket and the ball goes in. Like his level of of strength paired with like I guess what you would call it is like ball control with yeah. with his leg like it's it's unbelievable in terms of the, the English that he's able to put on some of these shots. And and I guess when it's it's funny because when he misses layups, it's like shocking to me. Yes, like, it wait, is the same. Yeah, and that's like, oh, man, I just – it's really underrated because, like, layups are boring. But the ability <laughs> to get there and do that and the ball go in is so interesting, which is just in stark contrast to his free throws and his three points shot and and you know maybe one day he'll fix it he's a young man you can learn to shoot with diligence and i read something maybe it was like kevin pelton maybe it was one of the overseas like the guys who do the scouting at the beginning of the year talked about why luca was so good as a rookie is because he improved his left hand coming from euro league to the nba in a way that wasn't really understood until you saw him play so I, I think there's reasons, you know, there's plenty of reason to bet he can figure it out. But like, my God, when he shoots some of these shots, it's like, this is awful. This is what they want. Like, I cringe when he shoots the three-point at this at this juncture. Yeah, uh, it's it's gotten to the point, I think, uh, Kirk, you've been almost begging me to write this, so I'm going to get to this this week. <laughs> but- I think it's at the point, you know, the three-point shot, not to give away the, you know, the whole thing that I'm going to write about, but it's basically, it's at the point where, you know, you look at it and you say he needs it. You know, I, he make the case that he kind of needs the threat of that to help give him the separation he needs to help him succeed at the rim, which is totally valid. And I understand because you see it like when, when he's loading up and he, and you may, and, and defenders think he's going to go for a step back, like you could see defenders physically quake or shake a little like you know they don't want to end up on a highlight reel they start overreacting and they start getting tight on him and then he you know he kind of scoots by them uh so i understand how valuable it is for him to shoot threes in in that regard but it's at the point now where the math the math doesn't say it's a it's a good shot like even as much as we you know threes are worth more than twos and and how you don't have to be an elite three-point shooter to make that shot a worthy shot, which I think is also a big story of, of the Mavericks. Cause you know, they've got a couple of elite guys, but you know, guys like Kleba and Delon that are not shooting or Dorian that aren't shooting elite numbers, but they just shoot a high volume of, of quality threes. It's, it's really a successful game plan. Um, but it's not there with Luca. He's just at a number that is low enough where it's like, it's a, it's a bad, you know, it's a bad shot. How it affects the rest of his game is a worthy discussion, but He's just not a good three-point shooter right now, and hopefully that changes. But this is a scrimmage game. Who knows? 
Maybe against the Rockets, he makes like six. And... Which is entirely possible. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's that's just the thing that you hear from him. I was listening to this uh, this Windhorse podcast where they brought on the guy who does most of their the overseas, like uh, Jonathan Gavoni, I think. And, and Gavoni talked about how the moments that he realized Luca was unreal and and who and who was and wasn't around to see that and it ended up impacting like you know various teams like draft strategy but you know i just don't know what to expect from him in a big game i mean the guy is so confident and he his real only like two things bother luca at this point tall guys with length like ben simmons is a really good i mean he's an all nba defender like what are you going to do there tall guys bother luca Luca's attitude bothers Luca. Those, those, that's all that stops him at this point. He, he's that good at 21. I, I just, yep. we could see like an otherworldly performance. I mean, I wrote a quick piece tonight, which should go up uh, at some point tomorrow about how the Mavericks need to avoid the Clippers at all costs. And, you know, I, I don't want to harp on like, like playoff matchups this soon. So we got eight full games to play, but. I kind of want to let's just say that if they ended up playing the Clippers guys that, that we should all just, you know, like have very strong drinks ready and don't be near <laughs> your phone or Twitter. Cause it's, it's going to be upsetting if they play the Clippers. Yep. I completely agree. They were, you, uh, you said it very well in your piece so people can read it, but they, they are like a genetically engineered team to stop the Mavericks. Like they were <laughs> grown in a lab to, to destroy this version of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, it's upsetting. But um, otherwise, I don't know. I think we hit all the points from this game. Uh, you, do you want to talk about Justin Jackson? Or oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. okay. I've killed him for years. I feel bad for the guy. Um, years. It really. I mean, I guess it is years at this point because, like, we're, we're talking about the guy still. Um, he's bad. He's... <laughs> That's all you got. <laughs> I mean, I learned tonight through the excellent statisticians at MavsMoneyBall.com that a six foot eight, two hundred and thirty pound forward has one dunk in nine hundred and fifty minutes of game action. That is terrible. He blew a layup tonight because he didn't want to dunk it. Yeah, I don't weird. know what to say about him anymore, other than the fact that he evokes such passion from people who look at what he can do that it blinds you to what he can't do. And what he can't do at a guy at his size, and really can't is not fair. It's doesn't do. He doesn't chase down loose balls. He doesn't step in front of guys, you know, to absorb body contact. He he just isn't a good basketball player for the NBA. He's a top 500 player in the world. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. The thing is, the NBA hosts about 450 players on their rosters. He's not good enough to be one of them. They have to figure out a way to move on from him. And, you know, maybe I'll eat my words. God, I hope I do. What if he came up big in the playoffs? That'd be huge. Be so much fun. But Antonius Cleveland and and Josh Reeves were better than him tonight. And that sucks. Like, that should strike (laughs) fear into our hearts. 
Yeah, that yeah, he sure and he shared the floor with them. So it's not like he didn't pl- like he was playing against better competition. He went to the bench and then Cleveland and Reeves played like the garbage. Like Jackson was on the floor with with Cleveland and Reeves, and those two uh outshone him like a hundred percent. Uh I liked Cle- Cleveland was fun to watch tonight. I know you kind of tuned out a little uh in the second half, especially, but he was he was the center for most of the fourth quarter and overtime yeah and he was setting he was setting screens and diving and like he had a couple finishes off the pick and roll it was like man like that just goes to show he he has like a good basketball feel and he's a hard worker so you know what i I think you and i take personal offense to this as a couple of dudes you're taller than me and probably much better than basketball to me than i was but Uh, there's a lot to be said for just fucking playing hard and <laughs> it's a contact sport dude you know like there's this incredible picture i made so much fun of it of him holding this 70 pound dumbbell like he was going to do an overhead press and we're, still, I, we're talking about jackson right yeah, justin jackson okay. and i and i i paired it with that why you always lying photo. <laughs> and and i not like King's teammates of his made fun of it. I, <laughs> it. It just vexes me because I see it. Like our good, our good friend Dalton Trigg loves the dude as a dude. And he is an outstanding person. Like, let me be clear here. Like he's the kind of guy that I'd be, I'm proud to have him represent the Mavericks. But when I watch him play basketball, every other game, I don't understand what he's doing. He does just enough. Like we've had two scrimmages here where he's actually been pretty good, but then you watch a game like tonight and it's like, dude, what happened? Can't you build upon what you did before? And you know what? After this many games, the answer is no, he can't. So if he gives us something, it's I, I'm going to be ecstatic. I'm going to be happy for him. But at this point we know who Justin Jackson is and he is a back end uh, bench player at best. I can't can't really disagree, but I'm loving hot take Kirk after scrimmage number three. Yeah, let's go basketball. We're 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 in rare midseason form. We're we're ready. I think we're ready to go. I was wondering if we'd be ready, but I think we're ready. We're at the very end here. So, like my son, we've spent today's 140 of uh, of of lockdown for the Henderson household. 140 together. When my wife and he like go do an errand or something just to get out of the house, he'll ask to hear us on the podcast. And I'm like, but he hears me all day and he doesn't listen to me. Why would he want to listen to me on a podcast? <laughs> uh, that's all uh, well, I think I, I'm going to guess that's all you have because I think you emptied the chamber there. I but I think, that, yeah, I think that, yeah, <laughs> God, I think that's all I have. Uh, so what do you say we we just get out of here and we get ready for Sunday? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Friday. They play Friday. Friday. Oh, they yeah. do play Friday. Wow. Wow. Well, maybe I'm not ready for, for this. <laughs> okay, yeah. They play Friday, July 31st against the Rockets. Uh, we'll be back. We'll Josh and Kirk, we'll post-game reaction and pods. We've got stuff in the in the pipeline for the rest of the week to get ready for Friday's game, and we're gonna be rolling. It's it's games. It's real games that count. That go, that go and that matter. That 
that we have to pay attention to. So enjoy it. Uh, we will. So uh, that's going to do it. Let's get out of here. This is Josh Kirk. Thank you as always. Uh, and this is the Maz Moneyball podcast. We will see you later. Goodbye.